So um, I'd like to share some reflections on impermanence tonight, uh, Anicca. And uh, for those of you who are here on Thursday morning, this is somewhat of a continuation. Um, I brought that into the reflection yesterday morning. Um, And I think mostly what I want to do is just move through a few different kind of ways of just touching on this as a, as a cultivation, as a theme in our experience, as a theme in our practice. And maybe sort of, yeah, different ways we can connect or, uh, you know, um, encourage or prime the mind to be um, a percipient of this aspect of experience uh, with the understanding that yeah this 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 can be and is sort of a natural unfolding of the practice the understandings the realizations the insight that can arise um, but that also and I think we see this in the Buddha's teachings we certainly see it in the Satipatthana Sutta you know and and, and that, that it's also a, a training kind of a way, one of the ways we're invited to incline the minds, you know, one of the things we're, we're invited to notice. Um, and so, yeah, just, just to touch on some different, some different ways. Um, with a sense of the whole range of ways, as we were touching on a little bit yesterday, of how we how how Anicca touches us, how it reveals itself, or how we perceive it. You know, so many different ways or different aspects of our life. You know, very obvious or very subtle, very surprising, or just something that kind of a creeping realization, or more yeah, that sense sometimes of it, uh, the, the shock of it sort of waking us up in the middle of our uh, permanence fantasy of some variety. Yeah, oh. Yeah, I was remembering uh, something that happened quite a long time ago now, but sort of stayed in my mind as one of those wake-up moments. I was going for a walk in my beloved village where I grew up in England and um, always it's a place of pilgrimage for me. I go back to that place, that land where I grew up and uh, on that occasion I, I went back and I would have the special places I would walk and that I walked a lot as a child and uh, so I set off at one corner of the, the meadow and to go on my walk into the woods past my special oak tree and across the stream and and so on and so I I got quite close to the yeah to to the to the path and uh, I found there was a fence I've been built right across it (laughs) just you can imagine you know the sort of different thoughts like just yeah shock outrage and and then as you know I, 
even in telling you, reflecting at the time, I thought, why am I surprised? <laughs> you know, rationally. But, you know, emotionally, or this is something about in the mind, you know, there's this sense of this is the way it is, and it's always been like that, and I've always walked that way, and, and then the sort of unconscious expectation. Well, I've always been alive, so and I'm going to carry on being alive, you know. It's just unconscious, kind of. So I think these reflections and can sort of um, just be perhaps an aid to sleepwalking a little less of the time. Maybe a lot less of the time. You know, it's like one of the... You hear about ignorance, avija, avija. It's like we're just not in touch with how things are. We're not in touch with the truth of impermanence. You know, we're just living in the vipalasa, the misperception of permanence. And so this, like, I almost feel like part of this practice for me at times is just priming the mind to kind of notice this this truth, this reality, you know, and 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 um, so we can live more in in that, in touch with that truth, you know, surely for our own benefit, you know, and the benefit of others. It's so. It seems like we're strongly conditioned, aren't we? You know, to not to, to not be in touch with this. Um, I guess that's partly where we're all here. We're all trying to be more awake and more in touch with the truth of life, with wisdom. Yeah, so uh, let's see. I've already not followed the order I put things down in. Is that a nature in some form, like unreliability, inconstancy? the mind like oh I'll tell that one now and so I was thinking these different words for Anicca in in this sort of uh, mutability Uh, shiftingness Um, changeability and uh, and of course in a retreat context we're particularly aware of how our mind and the attention and the mood shift and you know just how Mercurial and how evanescent, ev- ev- evanescent, you know what I mean? Evanescent is not the right word, I think it's bubbling, yeah, and uh, ephemeral. I like that word as well. I think sometimes in long ago, in several, you know, some, several former lives ago, I was involved in theatre, and uh, I think one of the reasons I enjoyed it so much was that it was so ephemeral. You get together, you do this massive, great production of some something or other happening, and then it was just gone. It was just gone. It must have been a pre-Buddhist premonition, you know, like something in me really drawn towards that sense of it's it's there and it means so much, and then it's it's all put together, you know, and then something is offered, something happens. And then it all gets taken apart, and then we all disperse, you know, back. And for I, 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 some reason, I've, I've really loved that. Um, so, yeah, this, this sense of change, you know, I was thinking 
or all the different areas of our life, like gardening, you know, or making pottery, or whatever it might be, where we can, you know, doing the laundry, you know, cleaning, talk about impermanence, you know. <laughs> you do it, and then that's it, you know, five minutes later. So I think that's maybe one approach to this, is just the times on a retreat, or I don't know, I'm, I, I really love this sort of practice of taking up particular themes, especially in daily life, but kind of because it's of course everywhere in everything it's uh, always you know happening in so many different levels and actually I've been recently getting interested in ancient history which is taking me back into all sorts of like geology which I don't really know anything about but this evening I was looking at the rock here the the Buddha's sitting on and I realised how much I think of it as really solid, you know, and and it kind of is, isn't it, relatively speaking, but isn't it also impermanent? Yes? <laughs> no? <laughs> There's something kind of, the Buddha is perched on impermanence. It's, um, you know, that, that sort of my little forays into kind of, you know, long, long, long ago, thousands, millions, billions of years and that's one one way, I don't know quite exactly of feeling that that's really somehow feeding into my sense of a nature here and now and this sense of even this rock you know is, is, is characterised by a nature So we could see, you know, as, as I was um, suggesting yesterday, the sense of time when we, we, we just notice the impermanence of all our experience and, and the way that happens naturally, you know, and that's often, you know, isn't it, like the, the, the more the mind settles or the times when it is settled, like this becomes very apparent, becomes kind of very obvious. The moods, the thoughts, the the sounds, the the reactivities is is kind of it just that starts to become very very obvious. So um, I just wanted to share a little bit of one of my favourite meditations, a big mind meditation from Joseph, because I think it's a wonderful example of how of a meditation, a way of practicing which really is sort of supports this perception of impermanence. Um, maybe I'll, I won't, this is just the first part of it, I just wanted to touch on it because I think that there's something about the sort of open, empty space of the mind, you know, this sense of... Um, Either, you know, again, it happens naturally, but the sense of the, the, the spacious, the vastness of the mind, or just it's, it's like a space, it's like the sky, and then this sense of, of things happening kind of within that space, like a rising, passing, um, changing, whatever sounds or other experiences, you know, 
happening, arising, changing and disappearing or dissolving back into. So sometimes I find that really helpful. It's a sense of things forming and then dissolving or, you know, appearing and disappearing. So again, like I think that's also really interesting when we contemplate change. I mean, how does it, how does it, does it, do you feel it? Do you see it? Do you hear it? Um, does, does it? Does it have the sense of things forming and unforming? Or, you know, maybe it's different with different phenomena that sometimes it really does seem like something appears in a, in a more visual sense or something. So that, and it's that, that just that is kind of interesting to me. In the sense of letting the mind be at ease, of resting open, and just seeing what's noticed. Like right now I'm holding my hands like this and I can feel, you know, that feeling of just the, the sort of the body's, what is that? It's that very slight sensation. I don't know, you know, I'm not good at physiology, but that sense of that tingling, very, very slight aliveness, tingling, maybe it's the nervous system, you know. So just, to me, that's interesting, rather than thinking we already know what that is, what it's like, like what, what is it, what is it like? Joseph also uses in this meditation, the image of like stars in the night sky. Which, yeah, uh, maybe uh, some, hmm. So, so how do we, again, how, how do we know impermanence? How do we, how do we actually directly experience it? And perhaps, again, as a, uh, different, the mind is in different modes, you know, or it's, yeah, it's going to feel different, it's going to be perceived differently. Um, I can remember one retreat coming to mind now where I was sitting the retreat centre down the hill and I was sitting at the front, there used to be, I don't know if any of you remember this, there was carpet at the front that had lots of patterns in it soily patterns and I don't know I can't remember very exactly but I remember sitting this quite a long way into the retreat and um, this carpet started to mo- everything started to move you know and the patterns were going like this it's like it's like wow and I had that was my first I think really vivid experience of the visual fields of going a bit peculiar you know and how it made me realize uh, how conditioned it is and how, you know, even, even say if you, you know, like, like me up to that point, I had, you know, pretty good eyesight and things always looked like things and it was all pretty ordinary. Cause <laughs> and, and then it was like, wow, it's this, that, that, that the mind is, something was moving and shifting and changing. <clears throat> the perceptual sense 
I think he was so fed up with being so still. It was like protesting and just saying, oh, I'm going to move around. You know, I'm not moving around. I'm going to move around. And just so many, so many examples of how we can can notice. Feels like maybe I don't know if this is your experience. Like it's it's when we get really still that we really can notice an other. You know, when you're just moving around and you you're not maybe not so mindful in your life, and you're doing this and then you're doing that. It's all about next, 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 next. Even maybe sometimes on retreats, like the next step, you know, the next meal, the next something. Um, and actually, it's this sort of the stopping and the settling and the. And, 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 and then even internally beginning the mind, be, you know, the thinking mind beginning to stop jumping around and moving so much that you can tune into this more maybe subtle, more basic sense of, of a nature that, that somehow becomes more apparent because we're not moving. So I find that kind of intriguing. So let's see what else. So another another way of practicing this is it's you can use noting. I don't know if you've ever done this. You know, you can use noting anicca or changing, and just seeing what is noticed. So this is kind of coming at this from another way, rather than choosing a totality or a particular you know aspect of experience like some. We're just sort of priming the mind in that very simple way of like using a simple note like a Nietzsche or changing and then just seeing what do we notice and breathing the subtle fluctuation of that sound of the light is the lights or it's the, it's the audio system, you know, that hum. It's got that kind of vibrational quality to it. So a different, different, different way, different sort of way in nature expresses itself. wanted to share with you um, a teaching from Ayakima, kind of pointing us towards the aggregates and how we can use those um, as a, a kind of arena for, um, yeah, just for, for noticing impermanence. So she, she said, it is useful to remind ourselves in all waking moments that body Feelings, perceptions, mental formations and consciousness have no core substance, are all impermanent, changing from moment to moment. If we remain aware of the impermanence that exists, our difficulties seem far less important.
so one of the uh, for me a kind of uh, moment of insight into impermanence sort of really had this sense of part of the part of the revelation was of of there being no when when the perception of impermanence of Nietzsche is very clear there's a sense of that there is no ground for dukkha there just isn't there just isn't any any ground right any 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 ground for it and you know it's one of those things about insight isn't it that and the actual insight arises and passes just like everything else you know it doesn't just come and park and stay there forever but you can remember and recall and and somehow let that inform you in a helpful way but it's something i think that's always stayed with me and this sense of tuning into a nature being a way of kind of taking the taking the carpet out from under the the dukkha construction or something like that like tuning into everything being so uh, shifting sands there's nothing there's nothing really to grasp and yet grasping happens so again probably we need to keep kind of sort of you know in connecting with this with this truth so that that grasping is one of the ways it can be undermined. I had another quote I want to share, um, which is again one of my top favourite quotes um, on impermanence. And this is from Tsonga Jamyong Kyantse. If one knows that everything is impermanent, one does not grasp. If one does not grasp, one will not think in terms of having or lacking, and therefore one lives fully. So I just want to kind of reflect on that a little bit. Um, So if we, I want to turn it around and see, hope this makes sense. So if one doesn't know, if one doesn't know, if one is not in touch with that, then there, then there is grasping, right? Because there's that not quite being in touch with that. You can't grasp anything, so there is grasping. And then if there is grasping, then one, the, then one does think in terms of having or lacking. So there is a, a feeling or a belief that I can, you know, there's something for me that I can actually get, and have and keep, right? I mean, is anything like that? Really? You know, on a on a maybe more mundane level, I know I can like I pick up a clock and I have it in my hand. I think the trouble is we translate that into pretty much everything. And almost as, as a kind of basis for a way of life that I can have, I can get, and I can keep. Right? Or, oh, I lack, I lack that clock. 
I want that clock. And I can't just leave it there and use it, I've got to have it. So that that having and that lacking somehow both part of what supports that is this not being in touch with impermanence. And my, my, my teacher, Martine Batchelor, used to do this, this little teaching where she would pick up the, the bell striker, as I have done now, and she would hold it and say, you know, if you're grasping something like this, you can't, your hand isn't free to do anything else. And you feel like you've got something. But in that way, your life is narrowed. Your options are narrowed. You're, you're not, that hand is not available, right? Because it's all involved in grasping something. And so this, to me, is this, this where, where, where Tsongkhal Jangmyung Kiense says, and therefore one, one lives fully, so without the grasping, there's a sense of, okay, I can take it up, put it back, I'll put it back down here, and do something else, pick it up, there's more sort of flow, you know, whereas if I walk around holding on to things. We can't live fully. Do you get the narrowing sense of that? <coughs> Whatever it is that we're grasping at, trying to hold on to, you know, on probably any level, it's it's a it's a it's a contraction. It's a it's a kind of you know limitation of life. So I always remember that teaching from Martina, that sense of can we you know, be more light with how we hold life, or you know, let it kind of mm, yeah use it and put it down. So, yeah, how, how, how does it feel, like, we probably all have that experience, like, how does it feel to live with that sense of things are just very anicca? Maybe... It, you know, different different ways that can feel. Maybe good, maybe scary, maybe you know, freeing. And yeah. Hmm. Let's see. So many, many, many ways we can practice. We can kind of bring this awareness, bring this um, perception. And I wanted to touch briefly on the five daily recollections, which um, I think is, you know, the level of, at the level of more mortality, our mortal uh, fragility, you know, is, is a really powerful support to this kind of, Helping, helping us, helping our mind to attune to this, to this truth, to this aspect of our situation, and help us to to open to that truth in a way which is actually you know, conducive to compassion and 
and actually ease. I think sometimes I feel like uh, turning to the truth of this is intentionally is it, it, it brings a kind of ease maybe even you could say freedom and um, so I'll just read I have many versions of these five topics for frequent re- recollection I'll put the two that I have here on the board so I'll share the traditional one which was actually on the board here the Forest Refuge, I first met it um, quite a while ago now. So again, as I read it, maybe just see if it's possible to hear it as a loving kind of offering. It's compassionate. It's it's inviting us to um, reflect deeply and open to the truth of change as it relates to our mortal uh, situation. I am of the nature to grow old. I am of the nature to get ill. I am of the nature to die. All that is dear to me will change and vanish. I am the owner of my karma. Just noticing how that touches you, if at all. Um, and um, when I when I first met this teaching um, back in I think two thousand five, it, it 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 just bounced straight off me. It was like water off a duck's back. I remember reading it on the board and going, yeah, well, so, and, what am I supposed to do now? <laughs> Just really, and so I, I undertook some extended, you know, reflection and study, because at some point, when yet another de- ter- desperately difficult um, bereavement overtook me, I was like, okay, let's have another look at this, <laughs> I think something's needed here. And so I came up with another version of this, which I want to share with you, which was a fruit of my, I don't know what it was, three months or so of going into this. And again, the, the benefit that I think comes from spending periods of time, you know, with particular teaching or a theme or something that's where we, we, we can really reflect on it and digest it and kind of hear different different sort of thoughts on it and find our own connection. And my dear teacher, Stephen Batchelor, husband of aforementioned Martine Batchelor, um, he, he had this phrase which has really, really stayed with me and he's very much a proponent of sort of creative creativity in relationship to Dharma practice. And he... Um, He said, in practice, we need to translate thought into the language of feeling. And spoke to me very much. That's like to translate thought into the language of the heart. How does it really, you know, get where it needs to go? 
and not stay up somewhere, some top corner is just a really good idea. It doesn't really <laughs> come into our heart, our body, our, our life. So that um, just sort of, um, yeah, just I, I guess hold up some of the benefits of creative exploration even though what if you undertook such a reflection you would probably come up with very different translation and such would be great because it would be more appropriate and relevant and true to you to your experience and therefore more helpful possibly Anyway, so many benefits maybe from working with the traditional teaching, you know, was maybe, anyway. So this is the other version I came up with. Breathing gently, I lovingly remember this body is aging. Breathing gently. I lovingly remember this body is vulnerable to illness. Breathing gently, I lovingly remember this body will die. Breathing gently, I lovingly remember that loss is part of life. Breathing gently, I lovingly remember to meet this moment with wisdom. So, um, also want to share recently went to the doctor, just a sort of regular checkup type thing, having tests. And you know, the way that that, even though there's not apparently any illness, you know, there might be some illness in there, and this sort of opportunity that that provides for like oh god I'm like you know I'm gonna die I might die soon they might tell me I've got you know it's just that moment so reflecting on that and over the, the next few days uh, I came up with this practice which I shared with one of you recently so it's very simple very simple but very much born out of that that moment you know that experience and um, you, 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 anyway, it's so simple, it's almost embarrassing, but there we are. Thank you and goodbye. That's it. <laughs> it's a pith teaching. Huh? Thank you. Goodbye. Now, I, I'm still a bit in love with this one. I'm like, wow, isn't that relevant to everything? 
every moment. I just thank you. And and what I've I found that if I almost like keep just sort of keeping that going, I've done that for a few periods. And then it's almost like anything and everything has been presenting itself. All kind of different people or events in life or just aspects of of life. And just saying thank you. Goodbye. And it's really been a beautiful, it feels very, very rich, very sort of kind of this sense of gratitude for what we've received, you know, what we've received, and then this sense of, and letting go, and goodbye. And of course it really works on a moment-to-moment level as well. As this quote, I was also remembering that we are forever taking leave. We are always taking leave. And we each moment, like... Each each word that like I'm hearing the words come out of my, my mouth is like it's going, you know, it's we're forever taking leave. And maybe even a sense of I'm saying hello and goodbye to you all, like every moment. Every moment. So we really never know. So thank you and goodbye. That could be the end of the talk, but um, maybe I'll just share one more thing. And I hope it's the sense of, again, I'm trying to point to slightly different modes or different kinds of practice that can maybe help us uh, attune to this, this, this truth of Anicca. Um... Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Um, chanting. Chanting. Maybe not everyone's cup of tea is a practice. Maybe some of us really love it. And I, you know, there's so many different forms of very traditional Buddhist forms and lots of other kinds of song and, and, and chant from different traditions and also some that. We, we make up which I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like that in another sort of creative form so what I'd like to share with you is uh, a chant um, which I learned from Catherine McGee some of you may know her in one of my teachers friends from Gaia House and I, I don't know where she got it from but anyway I, I learned it from her and so I want to share it with you and invite you to join in if you wish. And I really mean, like, if you wish. <laughs> you really don't have to join in. I don't know if that's me when I'm in a... I was like, you don't have to, you know, you don't, it's okay, it's okay. Some of us will enjoy it, and if you just want to listen, that's totally fine. And I, I always feel like maybe this theme, maybe any Dharma theme, you know, maybe it's doing it together. And it's something about chanting. It, it's like it, it has this richness to it because maybe it brings our body in, right? Because we're making sound with, the, with our bodies. It brings in the heart because we're 
some intention, some kind in, in doing that. And there's some cognitive, you know, there are words that are sort of pointing to something. So the, the words can resonate the heart. and the, so, it's, so it feels like a very kind of holistic practice, potentially. And then, of course, we're, we're chanting and we're also hearing. So there's a kind of giving and receiving. And then as a group, there's this wonderful sense of sharing and kind of the sound and maybe some of that meaning and some of that feeling can be something that we resonate with together in, in through, through that form that maybe speaks in a particular kind of voice and is heard in you know, a particular kind of level or aspect of our being. Anyway, um, and so we'll chant this for a little while. I mean, you know, you can, you can go on for a long time, but we won't, don't worry. Um, but let's just get a sense of this. It's um, part of the Diamond Sutra, the sutra from the Mahayana tradition. Um, so, yeah. So again, join join in if you wish. Thanks, Catherine. And goodbye. Oh, you should see this fleeting world like a dewdrop, a bubble on a stream, lightning in a summer cloud, a phantom and a dream. Oh, you should see this fleeting world like a dewdrop a bubble on a stream lightning in a summer cloud a phantom and a dream oh you should see this fleeting world like a dewdrop a bubble on a stream lightning in a summer cloud a phantom and a dream oh you should see this fleeting world like a dewdrop a bubble on a stream lightning in a summer cloud a phantom and a dream oh you should see this fleeting world like a dewdrop a bubble on a stream oh 
Lightning in a summer cloud A phantom and a dream Oh, you should see this fleeting world Like a dewdrop A bubble on a stream Lightning in a summer cloud A phantom and a dream Oh, you should see this fleeting world Like a dewdrop A bubble on a stream Lightning in a summer cloud A phantom and a dream Oh, you should see this fleeting world Like a dewdrop A bubble on a stream Lightning in a summer cloud A phantom and a dream Just one more time Oh, you should see this fleeting world Like a dewdrop A bubble on a stream Lightning in a summer cloud A phantom and a dream Thank you for your attention. So let's 